Welcome back to the White Grey Black Weekly Manga Podcast. My name is Bruce, the producer of the White Grey Black YouTube channel. With me again this week is Gautam. What's up, fellas? This is a podcast where we talk about all of the latest Japanese manga releases, at least anything that is released in the West. It's a manga book club surprise. Thank you for being here. Uh, this week, we are talking about an isekai, finally. I don't know if we've Talks about maybe one pseudo-isekai in the past. Uh, there's a new series dropped today called Samurai in Another World by Keiko Saito. Uh, a couple more short page goofs. We're going to talk about Nick and Lever up to chapter 77. And Gautam is cut up on Vibration Man up to chapter 8. So we're going to talk about that and see how you actually do a high school superhero series. And I hope that Koshi listens in. Let's start with a little bit of news. Uh, start with the start with the bad news. Um, today, I believe we're recording this June fourteenth. Uh, John Romita Senior passed away. Now that is not a manga name. That is a Western comic name. But that is easily one of, if not the largest art name in comics. Uh, who is who is still living? Um, this guy is when you see Spider-Man or the X-Men and you think about the age kind of from maybe the um, late 60s through like all through the 70s and early 80s. Um, this John Romita Sr., that's the art that you are seeing. That's the art you're imagining. Uh, I have a cover of one of his Spider-Mans here. I think I have another one. Yeah, here is his uh, Avengers. Um, he's responsible for this art, this design. His son, John Romita Jr., is also a really big um, artist. But yeah, this guy, like I said, literally defined an era for Western comic art. He was the he was the look of 60s Marvel, 60s, 70s Marvel. Uh yeah, and it's 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 a uh, it's a big loss. He was very old. I believe he was like ninety one or eighty eight or something like that. Um, big loss there. You'll probably see a lot of um, you'll see some stuff on Twitter, maybe uh, giving paying him tribute and stuff. Just wanted to call out uh, comics in general. John Romita Senior is a big, big, big name. So uh, rest in peace. Hope the family's doing okay there. And yeah, go and just check out his art, and you will see. It's kind of like reading Lord of the Rings and seeing all the stuff that was inspired after it. John Romita Sr. is like the Lord of the Rings of comic art. He is the original guy who did sort of everything. He was monumentally large in the sort of style influence of comics throughout the years. So Interesting. Uh, did, was he was he uh, just a Marvel guy or was he a DC guy too? I believe he did a little bit of both. Um, I believe he's most well known for the Marvel stuff he did. He's... Most, most well-known for Spider-Man. Um, oh, okay. He drew the... Have you ever seen the famous... There's a famous panel... Uh, let me go find it. Where they're all pointing at each other. Uh, no, that's from the TV show, so he would not have drawn that. Um, there's a very famous MJ panel where <clears throat> Spider-Man is like first meeting MJ, and she's like, you lucked out, Tiger. Um, have you ever seen this? Uh, that doesn't sound familiar. Yeah, here it is. So this is like, this is a pretty iconic comic moment. I think this, I believe this is the first time Peter meets uh, MJ. It's like, Peter Parker, I'd like you to meet my niece. You mean that's Mary Jane? And she does it like, face a tiger, you just hit the jackpot. Okay. It's it's really, it's really funny. Uh, 
that MJ looks hot, but Peter looks like a, a little baby. Like his face looks like a a child's yeah. face. I think it's the I mean, blushing, that, blushing it, cheeks that do it. Yes, that is that is how classic Spider Man should be, especially on meeting MJ. And like they have obviously changed kind of the the character that MJ is over the years. But originally, she's like, I mean, it's the typical male 1960s fantasy she's the like she's bombshell gorgeous she's a supermodel she does acting right and yeah peter's a fucking dweeby guy <laughs> a nerd that's He's funny in class so so anyways uh rest in peace john Romita senior uh in other news we've got uh another <laughs> i won't i won't transition like that i was gonna give a <laughs> rest in peace transition um one year anniversary, I believe, last weekend of Rory Dragon being published. Still no sign of that returning. Uh, just wanted to kind of point out that, like, wow, it's been it has been a year since Yuri Dragon came out, broke a bunch of online records, uh, published what six chapters, and then pieced. Uh, I I assume there is something big going on with the author, not just uh, yeah. That's this sad. is not yeah. This is not the kind of thing where it's like, oh, I started a serialized manga and you know, wore myself out and overworked myself drawing a couple of chapters. I was obviously some other kind of health or family issue or something going on. Um, I saw people on Twitter hypothesizing like they could have been pregnant. They had no idea they were getting serialized. Who knows? Um, I don't even know if we know if the author is male or female, so could be anything. Uh, I hope they come back because I think Rory Dragon's really good. And if you want a complete story, the one shot closes yeah. some stuff off. So definitely go give that a read. Uh, it, it was unique, and uh, I I actually I like Ruri Dragon a lot because it mm-hmm. Ruri herself was kind of just like an imperfect character, right? Like not not yeah. very standard fare. She had like a lot of issues, and I I like that the author was willing to make their main character kind of just shitty at parts, and yeah, just very rebellious teenager energy yeah. of like they're a good person, but also they're like. They don't want to do everything you tell them to, and they don't want to, you know, yeah, follow exactly. the rules all the time. They're a kid. Exactly. I like that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it comes yeah. back. You're right. I hope it does come back, because the stuff in the one shot, minor spoilers, she like goes and meets her dad, who is a dragon, uh, and that stuff is actually pretty, that may be the best part of the one shot, so I do hope we get there eventually. Um, other news, Deputy Editor-in-Chief of Shonen Jump Plus, a guy named Momiyama, reveals that around 80% of the platform series are being published overseas. That is very cool. And around 30% are selling, quote, better overseas than in Japan. Um, what do you think about this? I wish we could see details, uh, sales details on that, because I, I'm very curious as to what is selling better overseas. Um, yes, me too. I assume, if I had to guess, I would assume everything that is popular right now is probably selling better overseas because Japan's pretty small. Um, so I, I assume uh, our Sakamoto days are well, maybe maybe not Sakamoto days. Maybe Mashal, maybe, days, maybe One yeah. Piece, maybe Hero Academia, maybe all that stuff is. If I had to guess, would be selling better overseas just because of law large numbers, you know? Yeah, I, I you're coming at the same angles I was going to hit. I. I do wonder it's, you know, if one, if a one piece volume sells, it's that they sell a lot in the first week or two to, you know, half a million copies in Japan. It's like, okay, well there's, you know, all of France loves one piece. Mexico loves one piece. The U S is coming up on, on more one piece. We're also big fans. And there's, you know, 
340, 350 million people in America. France is, I'm going to guess at the population of France, and it's been proven wrong, France is 120 million people. And Mexico is a similar size, if not larger. I want to say Mexico is 200 million in that range. So, yeah, and Japan is what, 50, 60 million people? 80 million? 80 million? 90? I don't know. I don't, I populations, I only, I know the population of the United States and I don't know any other populations. Yeah. Anyways, law of large numbers, you are correct. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely be curious to see which, which things it is. I think actually the newer something is and the more uh, simulpubbed, I guess you could say it is, I would bet that they're catching up. So for example, uh, New Sakamoto Days dropped. I don't think we have, we don't have the sales uh, record for this week just because it wasn't super interesting. Um, New Sakamoto Days does, you know, 40K. Uh, 40K and it's, you know, number seven ranked in Japan. It's like, okay, well, when that volume hits everywhere else, the United States and everything, is that selling 40,000 copies? Maybe, probably. Yeah, I, I would think, right? Um... Yeah. I don't think we beat Japan on One Piece. Uh, I would think that it's going to be new things, right? Like, I think Dan probably uh, specifically talking jump plus, which I think is what uh, Moriyama was talking about here. I, I think like um, Spike's family definitely sells better out, outside of Japan, you know? Yeah. Spy, I think spy family, Dandadan, um, potentially marriage toxin. That's one that I see a lot of people talking about that I need to read and catch up on. So I bet, yeah, uh, I, I, not a country, but I bet Latin America in general, uh, single-handedly carries Dragon Ball, uh, Dragon Ball super. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going to say, yeah, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball super, I think is, uh, is that manga plus or jump plus? Uh, I, it publishes monthly. So probably. Oh, so it's probably, yeah. So it could be, or it might just be in uh monthly shonen jump or whatever it's called. Too many magazines. Yeah. Not sure. Yeah. So the, the big interesting here, the big interesting thing here to me is more that I think this is a, I think this is the start of a wave. I don't think this is the end or the, crest or the top of the wave i don't think the wave is crashing down i think we will continually see the rise of anime and manga in the west and in places other than japan uh pretty continually until until japan is is forced to to pay attention essentially until the money is too big to pass up i think it's already too big to pass up to be honest uh for a lot of things yes but i still i see i i think if they were just looking at the money the we'll, we'll talk manga publishing specifically right so for instance something like kindergarten wars that gets published on japanese jump plus goes on for i mean six months maybe before they say okay we're getting a western release three chapters of time doing the catch-up and you're getting physical releases blah 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 um there is a world where Almost every manga that gets published from the big guys, they just go, yeah, instantly publish it in English. That that broadens our, you know, our reach from all of Japan, which is 80 million, however, 60 million people, to every English-speaking country, right? That's English-speaking or, you know, dual, uh, dual English-speaking, right? Like most of the, most of Europe, if they had, if they know two languages, it's English and another language. I know that like all of the... Norway, Finland, all like almost all of those people just speak English. Uh, lots of Germans know English, lots of French people, Spanish people. Right? That's it's. If you publish something in English, you're you've essentially at least quadrupled your available people who can buy your product. I I do think that 
publishing in English and in other countries is, is a little bit expensive. So I don't think we'll be able to see like the smaller stuff or the shitters, you know, uh, like a random yes, yeah. isekai that's uh, like written. I don't think we'll ever see that um, in a similar way that Japan will never see any of our indie movies, you know, uh, or most of our indie movies. True. Uh, yeah, it's it's it is a little bit. Yeah, it is a little bit different to although I, I don't know. Here's the thing, though, with digital with digital publishing media like uh, like Viz, like the Viz site and app like K-Manga, like uh, Manga Plus, it is actually pretty comparatively cheap, I would say, to bring those things published and see what the reception is before you commit to a physical release. Because the big expensive thing is is the physical release, right? Right. Um, it's you. Pay, I mean, I translators get paid by the word, I believe, which is I think kind of a shitty way to do it, but whatever. Um, you know, but somebody translates a chapter for. I'm going to take a wild guess. What could it cost, Michael? Ten dollars. Um, two hundred or three hundred bucks, probably, right? To like translate a chapter and publish it. Maybe it's a thousand dollars. I don't know. Let's let's be generous. Let's say somebody gets paid a thousand dollars to translate a chapter once a week. Um. Skip a couple of weeks, you're making $50,000 a year to publish. If that catches on, the physical release costs you, you know, uh, a faction of, I would say almost 10 to uh, to bring that to an actual physical release, right? Let's say you want to print, do you think you're going to sell 10,000 copies in America? Surely that costs half a million to $5 million to do that um, and sell those at, you know, 10 or 12 bucks each, so... Yeah, and but even even from the digital standpoint, right? Like, um, at the moment, right, the underground, not really read manga, uh, are still translated in free, um, from scans, right? And True. uh, the thing is, I I think I don't read most manga out there, even then. Um, so I I wonder if even if it's on a catalog like K Manga or Manga Plus and and it's it's like not very mainstream. Will will it? I wonder if that's worth the investment, even at that point, you know, because it's free right now, yeah. and it's not worth the time investment sometimes. Um, so I don't know. I I, I I see the point, and I think it's very possible since Netflix does the same thing to pad out their catalog. But right, yeah. I wonder. I just wonder how things will be like ten years from now for for manga in general. Yeah, it's it. It is a it is an interesting time to be in the space and paying attention to what's happening because yeah the more apps are coming out. Um, I think just kind of one last point before we move on. I I do think that when these Japanese publishers catch on that if they just publish everything, you're gonna catch you're gonna catch more people. I think you're gonna be able to advertise to those people. I think that's actually the big part that they're missing out on with kind of leaving it to scanlators to, oh, is, is Fryer and Fire and is popular in the West. Now we'll get a translation for it, you know, six months, a year, two years into it. Um, I understand there's sort of low risk. We'll just stop and wait and see. Um, but if they, if they have complete control from the start, they also, uh, they also end up owning things like, again, I'll use Fryerin as an example, right? We went, I want to say two years, maybe two and a half years. No, it was maybe two years right under um, a Fryer being fan translated and having no official 
uh, translation of the West. It is now, I believe, getting... We haven't gotten a chapter in a while, uh, but it is now, I believe, being officially translated. If they had started publishing that on their end immediately, and it, I think it still would have caught on, I think that they would have, they would have known sooner, they would have had the information, they could have... Again, there's ads on websites. That's a big thing that you know everybody wants to talk about. I, I just it just seems to me from every business standpoint that I can think of that is just smarter to just try and publish all these things digitally in the West. And and if they catch on, if if one thing catches on and six things don't, I still think you've made your money back, even just on the translations. So, I hope that in the future we see. I hope in the future we see more things. The big thing on uh, Jump Jump Plus that actually we don't get a lot of is we don't get a lot of one shots they get in Japan. There's a a lot of these new authors that we'll talk about uh getting their new series. It's like, "Oh yeah, you know, a year ago they had a one shot published on Jump Plus." And it's like, "Okay, but it wasn't translated for the West, so we don't have it." And no one there's a lot of them that come out on Japanese Jump Plus that, you know, scanlators have to go and find and care about and there's a lot of stuff to scan. So, yeah, uh, I feel like scanlation is all just passion work. And uh for sure. I think the only reason not much has changed catalog wise is because scanlations are just free market research for any manga or comic company to test how popular mm-hmm. a series is before publishing it. Um, right. Yeah. Like, yeah, like we're talking. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, we probably lingered too, a bit too long on this. Uh, let's go to the yeah, next we'll one. See. Let's, uh, let's, let's have a, the shortest, spiciest conversation we can about the next point. Um, so Osamu Tezuka, so Tezuka is most well known for Astro Boy, uh, known as kind of like the grandfather of manga. I, we talked about him a couple weeks ago, or a couple months ago, I guess, when I finished Pluto. I gave a little quick history lesson on him. Um, he has a series called Blackjack. Uh, Blackjack is going to be getting a new chapter written by AI with help from ChatGPT4 to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the series. Um, how do you feel about this? Um, I think it would be a funny joke, but I, aside from that, I, I don't know. I don't value it as serious art. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Agreed on that point. I think this is, I think this is dangerous because Tezuka is dead. Um, oh, and okay. got it. Yes. I believe he died lots of like in the nineties or late eighties. Oh, um, th- then it's just a bad idea. Um, yeah. Well, and I don't. Isn't the point I of his work ass- a huge focus on humanity and the goods and bads of it? Like, it's especially the Astro Boy stuff. I would say yes. I mean, I'm speaking mostly from reading the uh, uh, Urasawa's version of Pluto, but I, I I did read read some of Tezuka's version. It's the similar type of thing. Um, yeah, Astro Boy is the story of Pinocchio, essentially, right? Of mm-hmm. I want to be a real boy. Uh, yeah, this is this is kind of. This is in bad taste, but at the same time, I from what I know about Tezuka, he might kind of think this is cool. He wrote several times about, um, several times in his series about, about I get not AI because he wouldn't have called it that right, but sort of this, uh, oh, you can you know tell it what tell this robot what the story you want to hear, and it will create the story for you. So he might have actually been pretty interested in this. That being said, uh, ah. As much as I am interested to read it, I think this, I I won't even say this toes the line. I like, I think this crosses the line, right? Taking, also this is, I, I don't know, the backlash they're going to get for this, I think is not going to be good. I, I, I think the backlash, it's like. This is tone deaf. 
It's tone deaf, exactly. And even even if some people do really like it, and if it was Tezuka's intent or something he would like, I think yeah. uh, there are enough people online that want to be outraged by something that that this will just be an easy target. Um, also, it, it's it's just tone deaf in general. Like, I don't think it's yeah. hyper offensive or. Uh, I don't even think the intent is bad. I think it's like it's coming from a good place. Uh, yeah, I just think right. it's a bad idea. <laughs> it doesn't sound interesting. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would assume that what generally for me, the bad quote unquote part of AI is not necessarily the generation of something from, uh, from learning or from training. Uh, so for instance, video games, and other people have, have been using, essentially the same these same type of ai generation tools to make things like oh i need you to randomly generate me some rocks um and the reason why i don't think that's a problem at all i think that it's great is because they have they hire an artist or they pay somebody and say hey we would like to own your 50 rocks that you've drawn we're going to feed it to our system and it's going to generate us 500 more rocks that we're going to place in our world um all of that is fine because you are either paying the person for their rocks or you know, or they know and are aware that they are creating something which is going to be fed into a machine for AI to learn and to spit out more of it. To me, the big issue with AI is you're training it on people who have not given consent of their art to be included, and then you're generating, you know, duplicates is not the right word, but you're generating something from that art which was not consent to be fed to that. So that all that to say there's a little bit of nuance here because the uh, blackjack and tezuka's work is probably owned by a company right and if all they are doing is only feeding it his work and then saying okay generate it and if they have ownership of that property i'm okay with that right if if an author wants to say i have fed an ai only my own books and i've had it generate a book from only training on my books that's okay in my opinion right the you the person is given permission they've consented they are only feeding it their own art and the the robot the ai is only going off what you have taught it right it isn't it isn't conglomerating. Um, I mean, the big reason the AI has come into the forefront now is because of these huge, massive data sets that it's collected, which is all this all this non-consenting content. Um, and that's why they're so, quote-unquote, good and better now, is they've been trained on all that. So all that to say, you know, if whoever owns this Tezuka stuff, or the Tezuka estate, or whatever publisher, if they're saying we, we're only going to feed it Tezuka's work, and it's just going to spit back out another thing that it thinks Tezuka might have written, Sure. Maybe it's just okay then. I still think it's a little tone deaf. I think that most people who uh, bite back at AI don't have this nuanced take that I have where, you know, if the person providing the original art consents and understands and it isn't this massive training from all these people who didn't consent to have their art collected and trained on, it's okay. Uh, I think most people see AI you, you don't and think, think most because they don't think... I, I... I, I, I think I most people, I I think most people who... I discourse, but I, I feel like that is such yeah. a reasonable take that yeah i would be uh, surprised you, to hear if like i think most people who know enough about ai realize that it is not actually the it is not actually the sort of generative generative section of ai that is bad right the the production of a new thing automatically is i mean autofill is technically a form of AI. It is the same thing, right? You have, it is, it is, it reads what you have typed. It reads what other people have typed. You start typing a word and it says, Hey, 
I'm going to fill in the rest of this word because I've been trained and I know that usually this is, you know, after the word, you know, after the word weekly, we usually have the word manga, right? After the word manga, we usually have the word news. I can fill that in because I have been trained on a huge data set of people typing. I know that and I am generating you the next word, right? But the, what's the, uh, people do the, you know, like, oh, use autofill to complete this sentence. Like autofill, that's kind of generative AI, right? That's been trained on words. That's been trained on sentences. That's been trained on patterns, um, and it is generating the next word for you. Uh, so most people aren't, most people don't get mad at the, you know, Apple's autofill typing thing. I, I'm certainly not mad about it. Who cares? Cause the, cause the generative part isn't the bad part. The bad part, right, is taking someone's art that they produced and posted online and saying, oh, I'm going to train my AI on it. So if, and it's going to know your name and it's going to know your style. And so if someone wants to go and if I want to go in to, uh, Mid journey, or maybe not mid journey. I don't know. I, I have not used a lot of the art generative AI stuff, but if I were to go in and say, "Hey, produce for me a Spider-Man cover that looks like it's drawn by John Romita Senior," his art is in that big data set because his art is everywhere online, and he probably didn't get contacted and asked if his art could be included and trained on that. Um, and his art is also training anytime you want to generate something like, "Oh, generate me," you know, nineteen sixties Marvel comic art. It's going to look at John Romita's art and and put that in there. And again, that's you know, his art is not, he did not consent to give that art there. So that's, again, I, I think that anyone who knows of the way that, and AI is such a misleading term, I could go on a whole tirade well, about that, but quick. anyone who actually, uh, yeah. I, I, well, art is innately iterative, right? So when you create art, you're inspired by art that came before you. And yep. that shit's in the AI, right? That, that shit's been in the algorithm a few times through. Um, so I understand the fear of getting something you passionately put your heart to and still currently love done in an instant without any effort. It's like, oh yeah, it's like, uh, something you put your life into is replaced by something that can do it in five seconds. Uh, that I get that fear. So I, I, I understand that perspective. And if it, yeah, if it's creating art that inspired your art, then I don't know where the line is there. That's, I guess I have and no opinion. I, 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 I'm not an artist, so I, I can't, I can't speak to it, but I, I understand and can empathize with the fear that could, and stress that could cause people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, and the questions you're asking are exactly the ones that a lot of people are and should be. So, uh, we won't spend too much time on AI. It is not something that we're, I, I know enough about it, but not, enough to speak on it for more than I already have. So <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, uh, all right. also what, we, we having can, not consumed yeah. the discourse, I feel like if I say anything more, I'm just going to, I'm putting my like arm in a hornet's nest. <laughs> yeah. Um, boy, that's actually just bad news all, all over. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I'm let's like reading, it. I'm reading the news. I wrote down. It's like, wow, it's, there's not a whole lot of good news this week. Oh, let's um, keep it going, baby. Yeah, let's go. Uh, Viz media is increasing the price of their manga volumes. Wah, wah. Uh, nine ninety nine titles will now be eleven ninety nine. This is most Shonen Jump and Shonen Sunday titles. Uh, twelve ninety nine titles will now be fourteen ninety nine. That is Viz signature titles, a little bit more elite there, I think. Um, and twenty dollar titles will now be twenty five dollars. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure hardcovers, Fist of the North Star Perfect Editions, for example. Uh, I don't buy a whole lot of manga. I, I, you own it more than I do, but not very much, if I understand. How do you feel about a price increase here? I think it's really reasonable. Um, I, I, 
manga was like 10 bucks when I was in high school. Uh, so pushing it up to 12 to keep up with inflation is, is really not that crazy to me. I, I think it, I'm surprised it wasn't done earlier. Uh, I don't know how popular that opinion is. Of course, price increases are not uh, well liked anywhere. But I think uh, I think this this one feels like a long time coming. Yeah, the infl- I'm I've had the same discussion over video games when they got the boost to seventy dollars, kind of in the past year or so. I was like, I paid sixty dollars for a game in 1997. Like, I'm sorry, games like we're far, far behind inflation. Um, games should have been $70 in like 2009 or something, but yeah, I mean, kind of same thing here. It's understandable. Uh, obviously you don't like this. If you're a big manga collector, this increases, you know, by about 20% the cost that you're paying for your manga. Um, I, I, I take a bigger issue with the sort of access that this prevents, but there's, and we've I've spoken on this in the past. I am more concerned on the fact that one of the reasons that manga is so diverse and populous in Japan and why there's so, 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 so many published is that a manga volume in Japan is like three or four bucks, like almost always. Like a brand new one piece drops. I think it's I think it's like four hundred and ninety nine yen. I think it's like which is like four dollars for us. Um I wish that manga cost that much over here because Hey, you're taking some kid to, you know, target a Walmart and you're going to get him a book or a toy or whatever. It's like, buy him two manga volumes. There's another manga fan you've made for life if they were that cheap, but they're not. They're the same price now as, you know, uh, a book or, I mean, comics are already are yeah, those have always more overpriced than overpriced, this, I would yeah. say. It is still cheaper than a comic book, I would say, but it's also not color, so... Yeah, I again, I this is I'm in the same boat as you just were with the AI stuff. I don't collect. I own one volume of manga. I am a massive consumer of the media and I am fully happy to consume it digitally. Uh I owned volume 1 of Dan to Dan and I paid I think 12.99 for that or 11.10.99. So, uh yeah, happy for it. honestly, I I think uh the reason they are hiking it now is because they have the shonen has accessibility options like Manga Plus for the digital medium and with the the tidal wave of new manga readers you mentioned earlier uh i think they see this as the perfect opportunity to hike the prices and just get some confirmed uh confirmed buys you know it's like 20 percent more revenue ideally yeah i mean eyes. yeah literally it's just it's pretty much a flat 20 percent raise across the board i think it's like 18 17 22 or something but yeah, this is they're they're planning for the future because I think you're right. I think they see a new wave of of people coming to the table to to buy and read manga, and there's already a bunch of us here. So, yep, unfortunate but understandable. All right, do we have any good news in here? Yes, we do. The next one is a really cool one. Um, so an animator named Henry Thurlow is going to become the first Western and possibly the first non-Japanese director of any episode of the One Piece anime for episode 1066, which I believe airs maybe today or tomorrow in Japan. Um, I think it's Friday night it airs in Japan, so it might be Friday. Um, He, from what he tweeted, and I follow him on Twitter, he he says that he actually might be the first non-Japanese director of an anime episode at Toei all time, uh, who's the animation studio that does uh, One Piece. That's awesome. I, I wonder if he gets the episode. 
Uh, His yeah. episode is going to be minor spoilers here. It is one of the law and what's his name versus Big Mom. Kid. It might be the finale to that. Cool. So that's hype. Uh, yeah, it's cool. He's he's one of the guys that I don't know if you saw any of this discourse, but people are complaining about the like aura aura piece where it's like, oh, everybody just has like a glowing like Dragon Ball Z glow around them, and a lot of people didn't like that. Um, he. I mean, he was not responsible for that. He was, I guess, a participant in that. He drew some auras in a lot of his shots. Um, he had some funny takes on it, though. Uh, he's like, I'm directing an episode. I can make the auras as big as I want now. <laughs> uh, he seems like a really cool guy. I've actually been following him for a while just because I noticed that he was doing a lot of the really cool cuts of the, in the last year in Wano in One Piece. So I actually uh, really remember cool this to see that. Too. He mentioned that he worked on the, yeah. well, the not aired yet, but uh, the gear, the Luffy gear episode. That will oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's a really good animator. I followed him because I, I, he's a really good animator. He's working on One Piece. So, yeah. Um, so that's really cool news. This also plays in, I don't know if you remember. We should maybe, maybe next week, let's, let's not, let's do a check in on our uh, bets from the beginning of the year and see where we are in all of those. I don't think any of them have come true, but I also don't remember all of them. One of mine was that one of the big three publishers publishes a, uh manga by a western author um i actually don't think that's going to end up happening this year but this this is a step forward for that prediction in that hey maybe we don't get you know a manga in in jump by someone who's not japanese but we do get an episode of one piece directed by a westerner so baby steps forward japan true but i i will say that radiant exists uh which is i think I, I think the only western uh french french manga artist yes yeah, yeah, yeah. uh but that, that's the only one i know published by this but uh i i aside from aside from that i i don't know any anyone from the west who created anything aside from the radiant author uh th- this guy and uh the musician for made in abyss Oh, the, the Australian guy. Yeah, yeah Australian guy. Uh, I'm forgetting everyone's names, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I also have forgotten his name. Yeah, he talks to the trash taste guys all the time. Um, yeah, it's. I think Japan is slowly, as as they tend to do in their conservative nature, they are slowly opening up to kind of working with other people and doing that kind of thing. I mean, even in video games, I've seen. I think post COVID, post COVID, and since things have opened up. Um, We've seen more Japanese people come over to conventions and do stuff like that. The um, one of the producers uh, from Orange, the 3D animation studio that did Trigun Stampede, came over and did like a whole tour of cons with some of his group. Um, that's not, I mean, usually, usually in the West in the past at those conventions, we've gotten oh, you know, Viz Media will come or you know, Weekly Shonen Jump will send you know somebody and they might do a panel but it's not really anybody of note right it's not like the producer and six major animators from a studio that made a tri you know a trigon anime that was a huge hit uh but also i mean we're getting you know uh more video game more western video game people uh i'm thinking of like the the square enix guys that did all the final fantasy stuff they've been they just were at the gay summer games fest this past week talking and showing off their game and not just like anybody right this is like the big guys, like the the producer and the director are like in America showing off the game and with a translator and stuff. So I think Japan is, uh, 
by turning the corner, I guess, on on these kind of collaborative works. Now, I don't know how far behind something like a Western published manga will be, but I think it's only a matter of time before some Western published uh, one shot wins one of their awards and they start to take notice, right? Because the they give away like a monthly or yearly, like oh, what's the best you know creators one shot award, all that kinds of things. Eventually, someone that's not Japanese will win that, um, and and all the Japanese people will you know will eat it up and say this is amazing. We want more of this, and it, it'll happen then. Maybe not this year, but it's coming soon. I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. I'm curious about that because I because I mean like Western published stuff is popular there. Like, there's Star Wars is huge. Uh, like, Spider-Verse blew up there, you know? Like, good like good Western stuff does come out there. But at the moment, you're right. Like, everything is in its own lane. Um, I'm curious to see more more kind of international crossover uh, between manga and uh, just just people outside of Japan. Uh, I, I think it'll happen, but I think it'll be a ways out. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean and last note, but we we saw that uh, Shueisha's getting into the the tune web tune for example business so they're reaching out to korea who's you know a korean style which korea and japan don't like each other if you don't know the history of that look it up it's pretty pretty brutal but yeah i just i think japan is just they're a little bit slow to that kind of worldly table but i think i think a lot of the stuff that i'm seeing in I'm seeing an anime and video games and uh, manga. I think they are. I think manga is last in that. I think they will be the last one past the post, but um, I think that they are in that flow. Agreed. Cool. Uh, I'm not going to read that one because that one's embarrassing and it's about VTubers. Uh, th- let's see. Last piece of news. There was a leak of the Dan to Dan anime announcement coming soon. And then there was another leak that said, Hey, bones has something to tell us. I think like the first week of July. So match made in let's heaven. put two and two together. If match made yes, in heaven. I, that's the case. I, I think the mob psycho team at bones is one of, if not the best group of people to probably do Dan to Dan. I don't know of any group that would be better other than maybe you give it to not even ufotable. Is better than that. I, I well, Ufotable given enough time is sort of like the perfect anime studio. Like if you, especially for action, it's kind of like if you just give Ufotable enough time and money, they will make. I mean, they made Demon Slayer, which is, in my opinion, as a manga, a pretty garbage series, look really good and made it way more popular than it deserved to be. So I would, I would trust Ufotable with it. But yeah, I mean, but this I, Bones yeah, group, Bones is the best choice in my opinion. Is they capture manga style, like the style of the manga, while making it look amazing animated. Better than anyone, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, go watch, yeah. go watch Mob Psycho. Go read a little bit of Mob Psycho, and then watch it, and you'll be like, "Yes, I." See, you can see one's manga panels in the animation, which is great, which is super good. Hopefully, this 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 comes true because the the style, and I mean everything in Dan to Dan visually is amazing and perfect and stylized and wonderful. And yeah, I would not want to lose any of that uh, in the anime. Yeah, you got to give it to someone who can do heavy lifting. Because if you yeah. you're you're setting anyone else up for failure, otherwise, yeah. I hope I hope and pray that uh, Shueisha knows what they're doing, and I hope that it's bones behind it. I hope we find out in about two weeks here. Yeah, um, cool. Let's talk about some manga. I will go first. All right. Um, there was this neat little one shot that came out. I think yesterday or maybe today. Uh. And this is called, uh, 
lots of blood in this one. Warning if that is triggering for you. Um, this is called Samurai in Another World. This is by the author Saito Kago. Um, chapter one is pretty much all set up. <coughs> um, we uh, follow this girl who I don't even know if it gives her a name. I, she just says, no, I am I am a samurai. Call me samurai. Um, oh, no, here. It's right here. Tsukisuba uh, Ginko. Um, it basically just kind of follows her as she exerts hyperviolence on the world and kills a lot of people. Um, she like kills her master. She calls father. She like kills this other guy who trains her. She's kind of, uh, Saitama esque as like, she's like the best samurai is the, is the feeling you get from this first chapter. Um, but she goes through all of that. She like fights in some historic battle and like wipes the field with the other, with the other part. She like slew her master. Um, yeah, here's here's the sort of fallout of the battle she fights in. Um, it's also got there's a little bit of humor buried in it, right? So it isn't. It does the contrasting thing where it's like, yes, this is like hyper violent. Uh, you know, brutal murder is bad. Um, and then she'll do something goofy like yeah. picking up picking up this guy's head. She says, "You died in battle. You were shining brilliant to me." Um, and it's kind of funny and goofy. The main character in this, I think, is great. Uh, but all of that setup again. This is called Samurai in Another World. Um, leads us eventually she goes to a Buddhist temple and is like I just want to die in battle help me blah 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 and the Buddhist guy is like forget all about that fighting and stuff like pray to the Buddha and I think she prays which she's like I don't need salvation I want an enemy if I'm a demon then send me to hell overrun with with Rakshasha which is some man-eating demon in, in Hindu uh, Buddhist cosmology and 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 Buddha just there's just oh, this is a great page. Yeah. Buddha's just like all right. And then the next this is not the next page, but it's like the next thing she is in classic fantasy world, dragon, etc. stuff. So I I thought that Buddha panel was so fucking funny. It was like the it's so good internet equivalent of uh, typing K to a person. You know, just the letter K. Yeah, uh, it's it's fucking great. Yeah, it's this is good. But anyway, so she's. Uh, translated to another world. Uh, super surprised. This I thought this was a super cute. I again, I am. I lots of people like isekai, and lots of people don't like isekai. I am firmly on the almost no isekai has ever worked for me. I like Konosuba anime. I thought Re Zero was okay. I didn't like. Re-Zero. I watched season one. I think yeah, it had its moments. I don't. Is there any other? Uh, no game I don't no think there's any other isekai. I don't. You're, I you're thought, not a fan. No game no life for me was forgettable. I will say I, I watched it. it and I've forgotten about it. If it was um, if it was less horny, I would say it's great. But I think yeah. I think it's good. Um, what is it? The the demon? What's the? It's a reverse isekai where demon comes and works at McDonald's. McDonald's. Oh, yeah, it was that fine. one. Uh, uh, that one. Uh, shit, I forgot what it's called. But. What is that called? I don't remember. Yeah. But anyways, that that one is like, okay, that one's good. I really like season one of that. I heard season two is not very good. But anyways, not big into Isekai. This is one of the first Isekais where the chapter one is like, okay, like I, this is, this was presented really well. It was funny, goofy, kind of and serious enough. Um, I am looking forward to more of this. Uh, did you read this, Gautam? How I did. How do you feel about it? Uh, I thought it was okay. Um, I... I found the the main character to be interesting, but wholly unrelatable. So I'm wondering sure. how, and I think the point of Isekai in general 
is for the main character to be very relatable. So that when thrust into a fantasy universe, uh, the audience kind of feels like they're thrust into the fantasy universe and the character's reactions kind of mirror their own. Uh, Here, they lose that aspect of it, which I think is totally fine because I could never relate to boring isekai protags anyway. Um, So, but she, her motivation being that she craves an honorable death uh, makes me wonder how they will make her, because she has to be relatable in some way in the future, right? So I wonder how that is, how she's going to develop. And I think uh, my enjoyment of this chapter relies on how the next chapter is, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I thought this was a good first chapter, but it, it, it reveals its kind of big turn at the end. And so, yeah, going, it's definitely going to rely more on what's going forward. This, it strikes me like it's going to be more, I think this is going to be more one punch man. Like I think she's going to be more like a Saitama Isekai than she's going to be. Like you mentioned, she's not really the everyman. Um, although, that it, one of my major problems with Isekai is that all the main characters are the same boring self-insert dude. So yeah. I'm thankful for for this not being that. I think that is part of what has me so enamored with this, I think, is that it feels, even though it is kind of the exact same as other Isekai, it feels different enough, right? She's from kind of the like Shogun era. She isn't from the modern era. It's a girl. I completely That's agree like, with that. That's like honestly a huge change, right? It's not a, it's a, it's a, just a girl straight isekai. Um, she's she's powerful already. She didn't meet with some god and get some power on the way there. Um, there are actually a lot of girl so yeah, isekais, but it's usually they're all guys the, the, from the real world turning into a cute girl. That's in true. A fantasy yeah. world. It's that, or it's the uh, what's it, the the genre that you read a lot of <laughs> that I don't read any of. Oh, the, like uh, like the villainous. The, like, Genre? Yeah, villainous, villainous. Yeah, the villainous genre. Those are often isekais, also. So. Oh, true. I, I guess I never considered them that, even though they are. Um, a bunch of them are. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Yeah, it's just I, I, I. If you say isekai in my mind, I think of like a fantasy world and a guild system that has A through S or whatever. Yeah, you know, like uh, yeah, rankings and power levels. Yeah, and exactly. Video gamey stuff. Yeah. Um, this this was not all of that, and I also thought it was. I thought it was both. I thought it had good action and good comedy, and I liked the main character. I just thought it was interesting. I, this is and most isekai. I've read a couple of chapter ones that have come up. Um, most of them don't. I will read a couple pages and be like, "Nope, this one grabbed me." So I'm I'm looking forward to more chapters of it. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like neutral towards it. Um, but I I'm gonna keep reading, and ideally, because I I think. I think it needs to be consistent for like a few chapters before I can form an opinion yeah. on it. Yeah. I actually think chapter two might be the most important chapter because if chapter two mm-hmm. is too tropey or doesn't keep up with the good storytelling, uh, we have seen in the past really good chapter ones devolve into not good series. So yeah. Chapter two, I think has a lot of heavy lifting to do because it is, what is this act Isekai actually going to handle this kind of Isekai elements, which we didn't see much of. So we'll see. Uh, with that said, I, I actually liked, I mean, like the art was simplistic at times, but I thought it was generally good. I thought I, it's good though. Yeah. I really liked the art in it. I thought, I, I thought it was interesting. I, I thought, uh, like I liked this panel a lot with the dragon. Yeah. The panel with the dragon is good. It's it, yeah. Staging here is really great. Um, the comedic timing of like her picking up the head and stuff is good. She's like drawn like extra cute and <laughs> yeah, back, that, which that I think funny. stylistic choices like this are great. Uh, the, the Hindu Buddha guy here I think is good. Um, 
Yeah, but like this in this one too. Like this is a great this is a great panel. I think so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Let, I, let's see where this goes. Yeah. So that's uh, that's Samurai in Another World by Kego Saito. So keep an eye out for that, Gautam. Tell me about your favorite short form manga here. Tell me about Nick and Lever. So I I think I might have brought a Nick and Lever chapter like months back. Uh, at some I point. think you brought it as a one more thing a while ago. Yeah, like two or three months ago. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I love this series. It's stupid as fuck, but it's it it's like smart stupid jokes, right? They go existential. They go they have out of body experiences. They they do all kinds of weird little gags. But the main characters are dumb as bricks. Uh, know that going in. Um, the series has blown up in popularity, by the way, since I last Reddit talked about it. it. Yeah, Reddit, Reddit fucking loves it. And I get why. It's just it's just stupid and funny as fuck. Uh, so, yeah, like uh, a running gag is that somehow one of them ends up getting electrocuted through their own idiocy. <laughs> uh, and they, they, they go to heaven and die. Like they get electrocuted and die. And then the next chapter, it's like nothing happened. Uh, in this chapter, uh, Lever's phone is running out of battery. And Nick's like, hey, give it here, buddy. Uh, it's like, all right. <laughs> and then he connects like the uh, the jump start. Uh, the jumper cables. Jumper cables yeah. to it, to his own arm. And then the An other. ear. Yeah. Did you see this? His like, the other one's on his ear. Oh, I did not even <laughs> notice that. No, that's so funny. It's hilarious. Uh, and he's like, yeah, all right. Give it some gas. And uh, this is just a play on their own gag. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm used to it. It's fine. I read the, uh, I real quick went and looked at the most recent chapter, the chapter 77, where uh, he's trying to like play a prank on everybody. He's like, oh, it's, it's April Fool's Day. I'll like, I'll tell a lie. He's like, look, a UFO. And nobody pays attention. He's like, look, a UFO. And then it's like a like duplicate of him comes and talks to his friend. And it like ends, like you're saying, like an existential joke of like, yeah, the real uh, lie. I was the, yeah. I was the, I was the lie. Or I was the joke the whole lie. time yeah. or something. Yeah. My existence is a lie. Yeah. It's like, God, it's, is a, this is good proof that, um, what was the the like super smartphone series that we talked about, you know, going on seven or eight months ago now? Um, you have to be really smart to write really smart people. Catch-22, you also need to be really smart to write really stupid, stupid people. people. Yeah, uh, this this strikes me as a really smart writer writing really stupid people, and it's excellent because of it. I, I agree. Because uh, he writes the stupidity and just like the bromance. They're all... I would grab a beer with these idiots as long as I don't die. Oh, yeah. Way. But um, yeah, yeah, he, he he just writes like the concepts of what happens to them. He's just really creative, whoever this author is. Uh, I also love the art. It It's like this um this weird, like paintbrushy style. Uh, I don't even know how to describe this. Yeah, his his art is super. It's different. Uh, it It's more it leans more realistic than most manga I've seen, especially with texture and stuff. Although it is still, uh, still goofy, which I think that actually contributes because if these were, if these were drawn more cartoony, it would not have the same impact as electrocuting a dude who looks lifelike. So. Right. Well, yeah. I, and this author's name is, is Miyata Kyogoro. Also, so. it's rare to see uh, a black guy as a, as a manga protagonist. I can't yeah, even for sure. think of another manga that has uh, a black man as like a protagonist. There, and be honest, that's probably because there's not one. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the best part is that Lover is just a jacked dude. He doesn't look like a caricature. Like you see a lot of yeah. like black people 
drawn in manga, especially like old ones, right? They for sure they're yeah. drawn very caricature uh to the point of like racism, yes. Uh for sure. So yes. it's nice to see we'll not skip over that. Yeah. Uh so it's nice to see that not happen here. They this is very much uh you see it, you read it, you have a, a, a good little two minute chuckle and move on kind of a manga. Yeah. So it's yeah. not something you need to marathon. Uh, though there are a lot of good chapters in, in the middle. And these stuff. series like that are really good for picking up people along the way. Like who just like, wow, this is the, why is a new chapter of this every day getting this many upvotes? I will click on it. Where are we? Um, that's kind of the same way I got into like Komi-san, which is not a different kind of series, but also one that doesn't require you to understand the premise from chapter one. Because like episodic, it's, right? It's very episodic, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, this is the effect. This is effectively just like a sketch comedy manga where yeah. it's like, yeah, the the plot. There's no plot. It's just stuff happening to them every chapter, and it's different every chapter. So you can. This is like these could be posted on TikTok or Vine, and they would like be like viral videos. Right. <laughs> this is like Vine the Vine the manga with these two guys. Yeah. Oh, and uh, yeah, uh, Nick, he thinks Nick, Nick dies and uh, the phone is charged to 1200% instead. So <laughs> <laughs> charging complete. Awesome. Yeah, it's so good. Um, cool. Uh, anything else about Nick and Lever? Uh, no, it's just really creative. Uh, I think it's uh, really dumb and it's just a great time. So if you're bored, uh, go through it. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about... Toki Iwai's Vibration Man. We'll call it Vibe Man. Maybe not. Um, I talked about this when we did our review of all of the new manga, because this is included in that. I think that was three weeks ago, maybe a month ago. Uh, you can go check that episode out. Uh, but I told you to read this, and you did. You went and read it. So tell me about your impressions of Vibration Man. We've got eight chapters so far. How do you feel? Uh, yeah, I thought the first chapter was kind of weird. Um, it was, it felt like a side story and not like a pilot, you know, uh, it, it didn't really have anything to do with the plot and didn't progress the plot, but it did develop the main character who I like. He's a lovable idiot. Um, yeah. Kind of like dumb characters that are, are just positive. Uh, so he, he just works in general for me. I think, uh, his power is set up to be something completely insane. Like maybe a white beard power. Like uh, where he just yeah. he just creates earthquakes, but I liked in this chapter he's uh, he's fighting this kind of domestic terrorist type of person, and who has elastic uh, bungee gum properties of rubber and gum type powers, and uh, he he main character doesn't know how to use his powers well. He has a choker that keeps yeah. it under control. He's new. Yeah, he's new to it. He just got it, uh, but he takes a shard of glass and tries to stab this elastic guy, which doesn't work because the guy's rubbery and the glass doesn't pierce him. But since he has vibration powers, he turns it into like a high frequency vibrating blade, which cuts it. Like, uh, it's like, do doesn't Dune use like vibra blades? There's vibra blades. I know in Knights of the old Republic, I, I was, vibra blades. I think you're right. I think Dune has that I to, think get Dune through, does. to get through like whatever barrier or whatever. The shields, yeah, because the shields stop all high velocity things. You have to fight them with like swords or knives, and I think they use vibra blades. I, I, I was if we're of, wrong, yeah, leave a comment. I was thinking Metal Gear Solid, where all the cyber ninjas they mm -hmm. have high frequency yeah. blades to cut their. Yeah, Raiden's got that vibra blade in Revengeance, right? Yeah, that, I think that's a vibra blade. Yeah, 
but I thought that was cool. Um, and this is kind of where we left off. They beat the bad guy. Uh, and his mentor shows up to, to like clean up the, the rest of the fight. Uh, yeah. And the guy has uh, time reversal powers to an extent with some conditions, but it seems OP as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. So, um, tell me, I mean, we both agreed, I think talking about this, that chapter one is sort of like the weakest, it the is. weakest of the series. It's like not very good. Cause I remember reading chapter one and being like, it, Oh, this is not a very good series. I'm not going to read this. And then I went back and read it when we did the new thing and was like, wait, this is actually kind of good. Like every chapter one is more of a like flash forward, I guess of like, Oh, he's got his powers and he uses them and it kind of does a little episodic thing. And then chapter two is like, well, this is the start. He doesn't have his powers. Here's how he got them. Blah, blah, blah. It feels like a um, point five chapter. Don't you agree? Like, like a kind of a side story at the end. It of feels the volume. like, it feels like a zero chapter. Yeah. Like a lot of manga will have the zero chapter, which is sort of like a setup, but not really the start of the story type thing. Um, but yeah, but anyways, this is, I like, yeah, what, I kind of like, like everything mm-hmm. about this, even though nothing about it is like really great, but like every a couple things are like really good. Like I, the goofy panel here of him getting punched, like, I think that's great. That's fun. I think this is fun. I think this has good action. Um, like it has interesting powers. Like you mentioned the MC, I think is, uh, is a lovable idiot. And something we mentioned a bunch is we love stupid main characters. I feel like we mentioned that every week. So, and this is one of the best lovable idiot main characters I've seen. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think just, I think the series is taking a huge advantage of the kind of superhero genre popularity. I mean, Spider-Verse is big. My hero came out and people have maybe kind of been trying to copy it, but not hitting the same stride. Um, this is different than my hero. This is much funnier, goofier, I don't know if I'd call it necessarily more lighthearted. I mean, he does like cut a guy's throat and then is like, I killed a man, which is turned into a goof, but is also kind of serious when it happened. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just a good solid little series that seems to be, I think it is improving as it goes. So I think there's a lot of potential here. I think that's a big one is I think this is a series with a lot of potential. Uh, I think so too, because I think the main character is interesting and that is so important for any, any fucking superhero manga to take off. And I, I think the comparison to My Hero is apt. Uh, the main character is nothing like Deku, and that's a good thing. Yes, Deku is boring and bad. Yeah, I mean, the, honestly, the best comparison I can give here is that this main character is a lot like Luffy. He doesn't necessarily have like a goal, like become the Pirate King, but he's kind of like an idiot. His power is unconventional, uh, and he's going to kind of u- obviously have to use it in in strange ways to overcome, but... I mean, yeah, I'd, I'll give the comparison to Luffy because I think it's pretty. Uh, I think pretty it's a good comparison here. because yeah. they're both just completely unconventional powers, and I'm actually like a little bit jealous of because I, I try to like uh, think of what would be like an interesting character superpower or whatever. I think this is a very interesting one. You know, like uh, yeah, what dude a can concept. vibrate. Yeah, okay. Um, so he could. You would think that's. I mean. You could grab someone, shake them, and rattle their brain, maybe. But it's like, no, it like makes a vibra blade. Like, cool. That's a, already they have taken what is a quote unquote bad superpower and made it interesting, and it has not fully been explored. Right? He like picked up a piece of broken glass. It's like he hasn't held a real sword and made like a real vibra blade, right? Which I'm sure is an easy power up later on. Um, I also appreciate on this page uh, that it is kind of meta aware of these shonen tropes, right? The sort of his uh, teacher comes in and has the time reverse powers 
and the main character yells at him. He's like, if you could do that, why not just do that from the start? Because it's very like, yeah, very shonen tropey of like, oh, the master holds back his power and lets, you know, puts the main character in danger to see if they can overcome it or, you know, gives them a chance and they can't because it's early on. And then they swoop in with their super powerful thing. But in this case, it's just like, why didn't you use it? Now he does give a good, uh, this chapter, this most recent one was good and interesting because not only do we get this, this cool little call out of like, Oh, Hey, why didn't you just use it? Blah, blah, blah. I'm mad angry. This is funny. I'm doing a meta call out here. The may, the, time reverse guy the the teacher whoever was like oh like this guy's throwing grenades everywhere i'm using all of my power to like reverse the damage the grenades are doing so that everything isn't like fucked up when we get back to town it's like okay yeah it's a good that's a good excuse i'll accept that um smart writing i i I think so too that's uh there's another like kind of good subversion goof uh like that as well um during the basketball chapter where uh, he meets a bunch of other super superhero people in the same organization around the same age as him. And uh, their trainer, this guy, the black haired guy, uh, tells them to all play a game of basketball. Uh, and he's put on a team with two other people. It's a 3v3. And effectively, they're all using their powers to score a bunch of hoops. And There's a guy who can fly and what is it like? It's like an invisible girl or something. Invisible like that. girl, a bunch of kind of like, ice powers. Yeah, kind of like typical yeah. kind of superhero power things, yeah. And uh, he subverts their expectations by scoring a basket without using any powers. Um, and then they, they, it's like set up to be like a hype moment. It's like, oh, this guy's thinking outside the box. You know, he's not overly relying on his powers to get results. And then they, they zoom out, like they time skip like 20 minutes to the scoreboard where it's a tie game. And uh, it turns out like, and they're listing out who got points. And yeah. the only points he got in that whole match were the two he scored during that one moment. And, right at the start, yeah. And he was like, dang, you guys are pretty good at this, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, I if if nothing else, go and read the basketball chapter. I think it's chapter five or chapter four. One of those, um, yeah. Yeah, it's it, really funny. It, that, that was it your just best one. Takes, it just takes all those funny tropes of like, oh, you're meeting the other superpowered people and there's a competition. And, oh, you know, the, the main character reveals his power and makes a cool basket but it's like nope that's not what happens he like makes a normal basket doesn't use his power they're all like wow your power must be really strong or something but they're also kind of like looking down at him like why aren't you using it but uh, it's just it's creative and funny and fun uh i just i like vibration man a lot so far uh i'm hoping that i hope that more people uh tune in and start reading this because we've talked again about chapter ones being pretty powerful uh either hooks or kind of dismissiveness and i i really think the uh, the really bad chapter one they published for this did did a lot of damage to it because if they had just published chapter two as chapter one i think they have a lot more readers and i think that it's getting a little bit more uh publicity and stuff i agree i i actually i i completely agree i also think chapter one was the least funny of the chapters as well not nearly as funny uh i think Uh, one uh small gripe I have at the moment, which might be fixed going forward, is that the main character is so over the top. He's hilarious and I like him a lot. I think he's probably the best part of the manga, but he's so over the top that I can't take any of the scenes where he's being serious too seriously. Uh, Yeah. I can't buy into his normal person insecurities when they pop up like barely ever when he's being unhinged and over the top every other moment if that makes sense yeah i think we i think it's 
yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I think we will probably get if this writer is good and sticks to sticks to what what they're what I think I can tell they're trying to do. Eventually, we will get uh, what you're talking about is like a lack of stakes, right? Which is that if there's no real threat because everything is always goofy, you know, is there if there's no real threat, why is why does any of this matter? I, I think we will get some stakes. I think that the author playing with those expectations of like, oh, well, every time things have kind of gotten serious, they're broken up with a joke. Um, I still, for me, I can see that seriousness poking through that the author does want to explore those things. Um, That's not I, quite I, what I, I was uh, mentioning. I, it's not the stakes for me. It's like, uh, I'll give you a, a precise example. There is a scene where he's talking to the female uh, love interest, seemingly, uh, in the school courtyard, and he says, yeah, you know, I just got these powers, and they're not very strong, and I'm worried that I'm not even cut out for this. Uh, and it, th- that makes sense to me, because, like, people who put, put like, big bravado comes from somewhere, right? He's projecting what he wants yeah. to be. But um, he is so nuts, for lack of a better word, throughout this whole uh, manga, that that very human insecurity uh, feels like it's out of character, even though it's not. If gotcha. That, yeah. like, because he's just so unhinged every other moment we see him. Yeah. Uh, I think, this, yeah, yeah I, I I agree with that critique. I think, I also think you sh- I I think this author is making the correct choice in trying to explore those things, but not going too deep into them and staying really fun and energetic for the early chapters. I think that's more important. Uh, yeah, I yeah, would, I uh, I'm cool with it. I would compare this to uh, like the first couple of chapters of Kindergarten Wars, right? Like the first couple of chapters of Kindergarten Wars are kind of just all fun, funny, chaotic. Um, and then when you get to like the bomb girl arc, it's like, okay, then it's real and serious and slows down a little bit. Uh, but that's like, you know, eight or 10 chapters in. So uh, this is going on kind of a similar pace, I would say. I I hope we do get that. I think that that elevates the storytelling. Um, we'll see, though. This might just be fun. Maybe they completely pivot away from any of those insecurities he had, and it's just wild instead. So we'll see. Hey, man, I'm having a good time. So if it keeps being yeah, fun, I'll keep it. reading. Yeah. I love just one more call out to this this creative creative use of superpowers. Uh, the time reversal guy grabs a little shard of like a barrel uh, knocks the guy, knocks the bad guy into a wall, uses time reversal to like reform the barrel around him. That's cool. That's a cool use of a time reversal power. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, speaking of time reversal powers, one more thing. Uh, let's, let's call it, let's call that's it for manga. Anything else, uh, you wanted to mention about Vibration Man or any other manga this week? Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, shout out to Kindergarten Wars. It didn't make our discussions, yeah. but, uh, it dropped three chapters and it was good. Yeah, really good again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about it last week, so still uh, good. Yeah, still yeah. suggest you read it. Uh, but yeah, that's about it for manga for me. Cool. Uh, boy, it's a lot of video game stuff happening yeah. now and coming soon. Uh, my one more thing is Diablo 4, which I started playing because I beat Tears of the Kingdom, which was amazing. Had a great ending. Probably the best climax and final battle since Wind Waker, I would say. As far as Zelda games go, um, I played the Final Fantasy 16 demo, which was sick. Uh, there is new Armored Core footage came out today, which looks um, awesome. Oh, <laughs> super, I, I'm super hyped for that. 
Me too. That's in like a month, right? Isn't that July 20th? When is Armored Core? Is it really? Damn. Okay. No, maybe it's August. I hope it's August, so I have more time to play through Final Fantasy. It is August. Da, 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 August 25th. Okay, so two months away. But yeah. But okay. anyways, all the- of that to say, yeah, I started playing Diablo 4. It's pretty good. Uh, story is definitely way better than 3. I am enjoying it, trying out some different builds. I'm only I'm only like level 18 or something. So uh, looking forward to putting a little bit more time into that before Final Fantasy 16 comes out. And then, God, what is it? It's like Final Fantasy 16 comes out, uh, Mortal Kombat 1, I think, which I'm not going to play, but that's a big game for everybody. A bunch of other games come out like right in a row here. Dude, gamers are eating good. Uh, There's just stuff for everyone. Street Fighter 6 just dropped and I hear it's amazing. Oh, Pikmin 4 is coming out. And I think like at the no Pikmin 4 is coming out the same day as uh, as Final Fantasy 16. So I think I will save Pikmin 4, but I do really want to play that. Uh, Starfield is announced. That's coming, I think, September or October uh they had a big demo that looks awesome uh oh does that look good uh, i i haven't i i, I mean I'm just like generally uninterested in do you i mean do you, have you played or liked skyrim or fallout or any of those in the past i enjoyed my time at skyrim and i loved fallout new vegas but i haven't liked anything aside from those okay this i i think starfield looks good i but it i mean it is just it is just skyrim in space and i but i like skyrim i liked fallout 4 i liked fallout 3 um, I had a lot of fun with all of those games when they came out. So excited for this. It's got a like, did you watch the little presentation they put on for Starfield? No, I, I, I've been meaning to. I might do it. Okay. After there's this. like a, there's like an hour long thing that they put on it. There's like shipbuilding and gun customization and, uh, planet, you know, planets are procedurally generated. Some of them and all this stuff. There's a bunch of stuff going on in that game, especially shipbuilding has me like, yes, I would like to, I, one of the best parts in one of in a game series that I absolutely absolutely loathe and despise is I fucking love the gummy shipbuilder in the Kingdom Hearts series, uh, especially in two. Even though I hate the Kingdom Hearts games, so uh, oh, okay. this looks like gummy like, shipbuilder, but yeah, but NASA parts. So yeah, I think that's going to be good. A uh, lot like yeah, from now until like end of October, there's going to be a video game out all the time to play. Uh yeah, I, I just didn't participate in the gummy ship sections the the ship is called the high wind and i just put like infinite blocks around it and just uh flew in a straight line because he could just tank everything and i called it the low breeze uh, <laughs> yeah. that's good that's uh, good yeah uh, is- what have, have you what have you been up to this week with uh uh with yeah extra stuff honestly i have been no, no life things Zelda. uh just just like you're you almost have. there um yeah. i'm almost at the end uh it's been great. I, I actually like usually I burn out on open world games, but I'm really not looking forward to this ending. I'm having a good time. So, yeah. but luckily I was I, getting yeah. the part. The part of me that is looking forward to it ending is looking forward to Final Fantasy 16. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I was in the same boat. I like really wanted to play Diablo. But I was like, I'm not playing Diablo at the same time as Tears. I have to finish Tears of the Kingdom first. Um, I end up getting like all the shrines, all of the underground stuff not all the underground stuff, all the underground light routes um so i didn't like 100 percent it but i like i did a lot of it there's still a lot of the things i didn't see that maybe i'll go back someday um i put like 120 150 hours into it which for me is like that's edging on too long of a game uh like even elden ring which i absolutely loved i think that i did in like 111 117 hours and that was like okay it's about 20 hours too long 100 hours for a perfect game is right you know right where i want it to end um, 
but yeah, Tears of Kingdom is great. When if you'll be finished probably by next episode, we'll record. I so, think so maybe we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, yeah, maybe that. a little spoiler talk about it there. Uh, that works. And uh, real quick before we we close it, I, I wanted to hear your thoughts on the demo. Like, how did you like the the, the writing and the gameplay and stuff? Uh, Final Fantasy sixteen. Yeah, it's good. I like really good. Um, good to hear. Love the combat. There's tons of complexity there if you want it. Even though the combat in the in the story demo is pretty simple. Uh, the writing I thought was really good. I mean, you'll, if you've seen Game of Thrones, you will immediately recognize every single trope. The guy you play as starts as almost 100% just Jon Snow. <laughs> uh, it, it diverges from that pretty quickly, but you'll see it and you'll be like, oh yeah, it's like the, the shunned child of the king who isn't as respected as his siblings and blah, 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 you know, training to fight. It's like literally episode one of Game of Thrones. That's, that's uh, but interesting. I thought the writing. I thought the writing's really good. The music is awesome. I hear the voice acting good too. Yeah, I, voice acting is great. Uh, they like planned around it being English voice acted, and all the voice actors are really good. Um, it, I, the epic moments are like, yeah, absolutely epic. I'm a sucker for. Uh, I'm a sucker for just big shit, like it, just like a big, huge castles or big. And this one, it's icons uh, fighting the summons essentially from Final Fantasy past. I, it's gonna be good. I'm ready for it. Uh, yeah, it looks great. I'm, the demo was exciting. Super cool. Yeah, and it's it's dropping uh, the day after we record our next pod. So, oh yeah, yeah, that'll be tight. Yeah, twentieth, yeah, twenty first. Yep. Yeah. So that's it. I think for the main podcast. One thing you'll want to watch out for: uh, Gautam and I are going to be doing a little bit of a read along that we're going to do volume by volume and then record a short little video and talk about it. Uh, first thing we're going to try is we're going to do Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind by what's his name? Miyazaki. <laughs> Miyazaki. There you go. Hidetaki. Not Hidetaki Miyazaki. That's the FromSoft guy. Uh, what is the other Miyazaki's name? The, the two goats. Uh, oh, shit. The Miyazaki you know Hi, from... Hayao, Hayao Miyazaki? Hayao, Hayao, Hayao Miyazaki. Yes, yes, yes. There you go. Uh, we're going to be reading that volume by volume. I believe that is eight volumes total or seven? Seven, yeah. Seven volumes. Got it. Yeah. So we're going to do sh- seven quick little episodes as we go through that. Um, hopefully should get the first one out, I think, next week at some point. Uh, that'll be a little bit more chill. Something that you can just either say, yeah, I've read it and I'm, I want to follow along. Or if you haven't read it, hey, pick it up and read it with us. It is on sale. I believe you can get the complete collection uh, from Amazon for about 50 or $60 US. Uh, so check that out. We're going to be doing that. Test the water, see how it goes. Who knows? Uh, it's also fun. And I, just, I really want to read it and chat about it. And I think doing more focused chats about stuff might... Uh, might be fun so yeah i think so too forward to that and it's like uh, one of the top manga on my anime list uh also the collection comes with a cool poster so if you're interested in that check it out maybe i will buy it then yeah awesome uh thank you everyone for listening or watching uh do not forget to check out the youtube channels white gray black and wgb weekly manga podcast that's the channel you're on here probably if you're watching the video um if you want to listen to us don't forget we're on all the regular major podcast providers um, if you enjoy the video, enjoy the chat, enjoy the manga book club, uh, the podcast, anything, and you want to support us, just give us a like or a follow, uh, any kind of positive reinforcement you can give us. That's really all we're looking for right now. We really appreciate it. 
Uh, maybe if you ring that little bell for notifications, you'll see uh, that I try to publish on Fridays and it always comes out Saturday because I tend to forget. So um, if you really want to help out, there is a Patreon, patreon.com slash WGBmanga. You can hear some bonus episodes. And hey, Patreon has a free level now, so you can go and just subscribe to us there and see see some of the free stuff, even if you uh, don't pay us any money. Um, check me out on Twitter, at WGBmanga, if you want to suggest something or talk talk or chat with me. I'm open there. I'm open to the comments, too. I, I've replied to every comment we've ever gotten on uh, the Manga Podcast channel, so take that as you will. I won't tell you how many comments we've gotten, but I have replied to every single one. Um, yeah, as always, hey, thank you so much for being with us. Please come back next week. Goodbye. Don't forget to read more manga. <laughs> <laughs>